Hi, I'm Kelsey Zeiser. Welcome to What's the Story, a short podcast from Light Reading, where we take a step back from the most significant topics in telecom to tell you the latest news, how we got here, what it all means, and what to expect next. Today, we're talking with Light Reading's Mike Dano and Jeff Baumgartner about the highlights that they saw while at the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas last week. They discuss some 5G updates, uh, Cox Mobile's launch with Verizon, cloud gaming, robot dogs, and more. Welcome to What's the Story? Mike Dano and Jeff Baumgartner. Good to see you guys. Kelsey, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Mike. Mike, I'll be sending you um, good vibes to hang in there for dry January. We got to get cleansed before we go to Mobile World Congress. Yeah, we gotta we gotta clean out the system before MWC. That's true. <laughs> Full <laughs> cleanse. Um, so uh, you know, going back to CES, <laughs> uh, you guys were there um, in Las Vegas uh, last week. How was the show? What was some cool technology that you saw while while you were there, um, Mike? What what did you see on the show floor? Yeah, um, I got an opportunity to walk around on the show floor for a little bit and saw I saw robots and I saw medical devices and I saw um, autonomous cars and I saw all kinds of stuff on the show floor. Um, I saw one of those Boston Dynamic dogs walking around seemingly independently. Um, I saw all kinds of (laughs) virtual reality headsets, just everything. I don't, so, I don't love the Boston dynamic dogs. Cause they make me think of, um, the black mirror episode where they're like hunting people down, but, um, I will, uh, try and stay positive about, I'm, I'm sure they have some like, you know, um, uh, beneficial uses. <laughs> probably. Yeah. My first reaction is to kick it. Um, but I, I managed not to do that <laughs> while I was walking around. <laughs> I wonder if it'll tip over. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so w- was there a lot of um, talk about um, 5G and 6G applications while you were there? Yeah, um, there uh, there was some. So uh, I, I was able to find I was actually able to find a little bit of 5G on the show floor. Um, uh, Verizon and a, and a video game company called Razer announced a new like a portable handheld video game thing. It looks a lot like that Nintendo Switch that you carry around uh, and it has 5G in it. So that's uh, I thought that was kind of a nice little mile marker for 5G in general, just because like it's a sort of a new category of devices. It's got 5G in it. It goes really fast. It's cloud gaming, which is, you know, a a really network intensive application. And so, um, you know, there weren't like a lot of autonomous cars there. It was uh, that technology is not yet mature. Um, there weren't any virtual reality headsets that had 5G that's still sort of in its early days. But, you know, I found one thing that was, a, you know, sort of a new business model. This cloud gaming new service did have 5G, was commercial. Um, so, you know, progress, not not fast, but a little bit of progress. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Um, I have a Nintendo Switch. I like it a lot. Um, so that might be something I should look into. Exactly. It's cloud gaming too. So that that's the other neat thing is that all the, the whole game is streamed on the internet and instead of stored on mm-hmm. the device. So, you know, yeah, it's cool. It's really nice. I, yeah. yeah, I'm at my um, limit for storage on the switch right now. So <laughs> there we go. Cloud gaming idea is good. Um, how yeah. about you, Jeff? Like what, what 
I know you didn't get as much time on the show floor, but what were some things that stood out to you at CES? Right. Yeah. I, um, I didn't really have like any time <laughs> really like in the, uh, the regular Las Vegas convention center, I was kind of running around to the, uh, where everybody's holding their, their meetings. Like a lot of the media, uh, entertainment and advertising folks were way down at the, uh, the Aria and somewhere at the Wynn holding meetings or the MGM park, like all these areas that are not the convention center are now <laughs> all part of, uh, CES. But to your question, um, yeah, there wasn't a lot that was um, perfectly like in the like my wheelhouse or kind of germane to the cable industry as much. Um, but on the cable side, Cox did use the show to tout the national launch of its new uh, Cox Mobile service, which had been available in three markets as part of a soft launch. And they confirmed finally that uh, Verizon is their MBNO partner amid some of the dust-ups that were uh, going on with T-Mobile on that count. So, you know, uh, Cox is the uh, the area service provider there in Vegas from the cable side. So, you know, good for them, good on them to uh, put something together while we're at the show. It gave me something to do that morning, <laughs> which was nice, other than kind of wandering around trying to figure out what was what. Um, the other like big trend, I guess, was um, or big themes related to stuff that I keep an eye on was all the activity around smart TV and smart TV platforms and, and what's going on in that arena. Um, there are a lot of different announcements there. You know, Roku announced they were going to design and build their own uh, smart TVs with an unnamed manufacturing partner. Uh, kind of a big deal for them because they've been working with companies like Hisense and uh, TCL. And, you know, they their reasoning was that, hey, this will give us a lot more control of the roadmap and, and the speed at which they can add features. So uh, we'll see how that pans out. And then um, Xperia, the company behind TiVo, they're going to start shipping their first TVs with the TiVo uh, OS uh, this spring in parts of Europe. Uh, still no word yet on when they're going to maybe bring TiVo powered TVs to the, uh, the North American, uh, North America market. Um, then Comcast and charter, they got in the act as well. Uh, announcing that Zumo, which is their joint venture, uh, on streaming, uh, they're going to work with, uh, they signed on with element electronics to build a new family of smart TVs and elements. The second one on board, uh, Comcast have been working with Hisense on the initial lineup of, uh, what they were calling uh, X-Class TVs. And then the last thing um, was Vita uh, was also getting more active. They're owned by Hisense. Um, it's a platform, but they're going to be entering uh, the U.S. market pretty soon. I'm trying to connect with them to get a little more detail on the timing and the strategy and so forth. But uh, when you kind of roll it up together, uh, it was pretty clear that the smart TV platform market is getting more uh, competitive and uh, putting more heat on companies like you know, Samsung, Google, Amazon, uh, suddenly, you know, it, it feels like everyone's kind of gravitating to the, uh, to that, to having a platform and, and having some sort of, uh, smart TV play. So. 
Yeah, that's really interesting, especially with the, um, you know, Roku working on their own um, smart TV. That's that seems pretty smart <laughs> to me. Um, just because I think TV, I, yes. Yeah. Smart TVs have gotten um, so much more affordable and, uh, you know, whereas before you needed like Roku or, or a yeah. device to um, kind of access all those streaming services um now i think it's a lot more affordable for people to just buy it all built into one system so um yeah it makes sense to me that they're they're kind of moving in that direction now do you among the group here do you use like a streaming media player separate or do you use like a smart tv with the platform built in um we no, have, i kind of do uh, both but yeah we have both um we've kind of accumulated quite a few TVs um, just over, you know, from when we were single and then uh, being married. And then, um, you know, Dan is really into my husband into um, video games. So he needed a a new TV for his Xbox or something. I don't know. (laughs) So we have like four flat screen. For um, two people and, and the dog. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. it's really ridiculous. We need to like start selling. There's pretty much one in like almost every room. Oh. And they're oh. all massive. Uh <laughs> but there's, you know, an older one that we have the fire stick um set up with that. And then there's a newer one that has a, a built-in Amazon Fire TV. Um, and then we also have, you know, Chromecast as an option. So got it all. Lots Can of I options in your fingertips. Yeah. If you guys want to come over and watch the Super Bowl, like everybody can, I, each editor can like have their own TV. That's what I want. <laughs> Multiple viewing parties. There you go. How about you, yeah, Mike? I, yeah, we, we've had trouble with that too. It's just, it's a hard, it's, you know, you want to get all your streaming stuff, but it's like really hard to get it all into one place. And, and I, I uh, prefer simplicity over almost anything else. So we had a, we had a Samsung TV that did all that stuff, but it, it it went really slow. Like that was the problem is like if you wanted to start something or scroll to something else, it like it went really slow and I hated it. And so we finally ended up buying an Apple um, TV and now everything goes to the Apple TV. And that that works. I like that thing. It's good. You can talk to it, too, which is fun. How about you, Jeff? What do you have? Oh man, I've got all sorts of stuff. Um, you have all the things. Got a few Roku boxes. We have an Apple TV sitting around. Um, you know, also through Comcast, they have a lot of stuff. <clears throat> a lot of the streaming apps integrated into the uh, the X1 platform, and uh, so I use that quite a bit. Um, they've done a pretty good job with the integration. Uh, we recently uh, upgraded a few of the the devices because I think the the original uh, iteration of X1 that it was kind of, we've kind of ran into what you had with the, uh, with the Samsung mic, like things were like pretty mm-hmm. slow, pretty slow, a little frustrating. And then, uh, yeah, once we got some of the new boxes, it was a lot snappier. Yeah. So we use that a lot. Um, but yeah, we have a lot of TVs where there's not, uh, a cable connection. Uh, you know, Comcast does have some Wi-Fi connected, uh, set tops as well. But for those, you know, I, I rely on things like a Roku or we have a fire stick, uh, you know, a lot of kind of a mishmash is, is kind of what we have. Yeah. It's, it sounds like we're all trying, um, lots of things out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then testing category or product testing group. Yeah. 
Uh, and Jeff, you mentioned um, Cox Mobile. Did they um, have any up- updates on um, subscribers or coverage areas or um, anything else? Or, or is it still kind of early days for, for that yeah. kind of information? Yeah, they were pretty high level on, on the details. Uh, the fact that they even said the Verizon was their MVNO yeah. partner was uh, like the worst kept secret in, in the industry. It's like we all kind of knew uh, that was the case so that they did come clean on that one. Uh, you know, pricing and all that was was pretty similar to what they did in the uh, the soft launch markets. They're not talking about uh, individual like subscriber numbers yet. Um, I guess being a private uh, company, you know, they they kind of keep some of those numbers, uh, you know, pretty much uh, outside the public view. Uh, but I think generally like, Hey, you know, we liked what we've seen early on. Um, I, I think the approach, the angle they're taking is similar to what the other cable operators are doing. And they've had some pretty good, uh, success so far getting, uh, subscriber lines, getting a lot of growth. So I think they're, they're, uh, going to try that, uh, uh, that, uh, uh, playbook. Uh, the one new thing, I guess they have a mascot. A digital mascot. It's a uh, sheep named Annie. I think it's got like a, with a lightning okay. bolt on her side, and uh, it's going to be featured in the uh, in their advertising campaign. So I, I guess that was a new thing. So, Interesting. Yeah. So we should be like sheep and just like I know. It's like <laughs> they they were kind of walked uh, talking us through the the reasoning behind it, but uh, I think a few people went where you where you just did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I'm the, the sheep is being electrocuted, right? That's what the the lightning symbol is. Oh, oh no. animal cruelty! Oh, yeah. oh, we're getting into oh, like some, some bad out. areas here. Yeah, <laughs> so. I was like, is this a Harry yeah. Potter reference? Like, there's a lightning <laughs> yeah. yeah, interesting. I always wonder, the like, lamb who lived. They... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How much do they pay, like some marketing team? And they're like, "Okay, our best idea is a sheep with a lightning bolt. It's yeah. gonna be great. We love it. Well, it's huge." <laughs> to be fair, yeah, they did. They did kind of walk through all all the reasoning there, but uh, you know, I think that uh, they, they like what they're doing. But yeah, I think that um, you know they, they did kind of leave uh, uh, themselves open a little bit <laughs> to some. Uh, 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 some criticisms on that, but uh, yeah, yeah, we'll maybe see how they the, do in the months ahead here. Yeah, yeah, maybe any any press is good press there. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking about go. it, so there you go. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, and just kind of <laughs> yeah, wrapping up from uh, sheep. Uh, so, Mike, it looks like um, you know you write a wrote a really nice wrap up. Um, I went looking for five G at CES, and here's what I found, and I enjoyed reading that. Um, so it, it looks like overall 5G was not as big of a focus as in some past years. Um, is that kind of what your your takeaway was there? Yeah, I think, you know, uh, 5G really launched in the, you know, 2018, 2019 timeframe. And it was a big deal at CES. And then as we moved into, you know, 2021 and 2022, um, that was the big timeframe for the for the fixed wireless. But you know, no one was going to CES because of the pandemic. So I think we had we gone to CES, had it been normal and no pandemic, I think we would have heard a lot about fixed wireless. But you know, that sort of that that's already been launched. It, you know, it's not really worth talking about now. And so there's really this year, I don't think there's a whole lot to talk about in terms of 5G. 
And so, you know, when CES 2024 rolls around, we'll see we'll see if that situation is different. But this this year definitely seemed to be sort of a lull in terms of 5G overall. Okay. But it looks like there was a new, um, like, uh, you know, in addition to the cloud gaming, a few other 5G gadgets. It looks like a new Samsung phone. Yeah, I mean, um, was that a yeah, you cool always, little? You always get, right. You always get new phones. I mean, that, that's it's yeah. impossible to have a CES without at least one or two. And actually, um, but, you know, there was sort of nothing new about those phones. All, really, the one new thing in terms of phones was that we had those uh, the phone to satellite stuff going on, and that was actually a pretty big topic at this CES. So it has has nothing to do with five G, uh, but it does have to do with the phones, and it's actually really really interesting stuff about the satellites that are launching, what satellite constellation these services are going to use, what the capabilities are, what the pricing is, and whether five uh, G you know terrestrial five G network operators are going to be involved in this kind of stuff, like. All of those things are happening like basically right now. And so uh, it's real interesting to see that that market sort of mature over the last year or two. And, and especially into into this year, I think we're going to see a lot of phone to satellite stuff going on this year and next year. Yeah, I heard there was uh, a demo for the press, like out in the desert, like an hour away from CES yeah. to try that out. Did you? I mean, but I heard I, it was, uh, you know, I was listening to the Wall Street Journal podcast and it, they were like, yeah, it was like an hour drive and then a five minute demo. And exactly. Um, they were kind of like poking fun at like, oh, you're you're telling your coworker you're late for lunch. Like, what are you doing out in the desert in the first place? <laughs> Right. I was only I was only at the show for two days and I did not have a whole afternoon to spend going out into the middle of nowhere to see their demo. But, you know, uh, from my understanding, the demo worked. And more importantly, um, they announced so that company was a it's a it's a phone maker called Bullet that's based in the UK. And they announced a phone to satellites, official phone to satellite service. We found out the pricing and the satellite operator that's running it. Skylo is the company that the satellite company that's running that service. And then. Um, in terms of pricing, they're offering a, a real small free tier of pricing that's only in emergencies. So you do not have to pay extra if you need to call 911. But you do pay a little bit extra if you just want to send a message to a friend and say, hey, I'm running late, you know, or I'm, you know, I'm I'm stuck out here for the night. I'll be there in the morning or something. So if you if you want to send those kinds of messages, uh, it's like a, an extra $5 for 20 messages or something like that. I can't quite remember the exact pricing, but that's their sort of pricing strategy for that, which is really interesting because the, um, you know, the the app, the new Apple iPhone has uh, satellite messaging, uh, but only in emergencies, only for nine one one, and there is no additional uh, pricing or service tier above that. So here we've got Bullet sort of introducing a new level of pricing, and then we also at the show had an announcement between. Qualcomm and in Mar uh, in Marsat, no, sorry, Qualcomm and Iridium. I get all my satellite companies mixed up. Qual Qualcomm <laughs> and Iridium had, a, had an announcement, and they're going to enable that service. But the Qualcomm's customers are going to be the ones that actually determine pricing. And Qualcomm's customers include Samsung and Xiaomi and all the all the Android handset makers, basically. Yeah, that's that's really interesting, and I think um, definitely uh, beneficial for people that enjoy hiking in kind of remote areas, um, which is I mean, not me, but I could I could yeah, see Mike yeah. like you using that. Here. Yeah, yeah, actually, my the, the guy, my, <laughs> my climbing partner has a Garmin InReach, and it's this little tiny thing. 
Um, and we were coming out late and he texted his wife from it to say, don't call search and rescue on us. We're coming out late. And so, you know, that to me, that was like kind of revolutionary because, you know, if you can do that, uh, you know, and not have search and rescue called on you because you're, you're able to communicate, like that's a big deal for, you know, when you're traveling out in the back country like that. So, uh, for phone to satellite stuff, I'm not, not only am I professionally interested in it, I am personally interested in it as well. Yeah. Yeah, Cause I don't want you getting lost and, you know, not only being able to, um, you know, contact and uh, if you need help, but also probably, um, helpful in identifying where that person is. Cause that's a big problem is, um, people think, oh, you just like send up a helicopter and there are like planes and national forests that went down in the sixties that they still haven't located. So finding yeah, exactly. a person can be really difficult. And if search and rescue, if you get search and rescue called on you, once they send up the helicopter, you're liable for those charges unless you have some backcountry insurance. So, uh, yeah, like it could, it could be, Pretty, pretty expensive for you if you do get this the search and rescue helicopter called to come rescue you. Yeah. Well, maybe we should talk to Phil and um, get you some budget to go out into the wilderness and try all yeah, this stuff out. Well, just <laughs> yeah, make sure you get backcountry insurance. Right. Exactly. Yeah, We're not covering the helicopter ride. <laughs> 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 I imagine we would. Need some new climbing shoes also, by the way. I think that should probably be covered also. And, new carabiners, uh, some crampons. Business expense, yeah. Product. There you go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, just to wrap up, um, I did see Mike that you also um, tried out the um, LVCC loop uh, that you know Elon Musk's boring company uh, created in Las Vegas. What were your thoughts on that? Oh yeah. So right, no conversation about CES can go by without talking about the boring <laughs> loop, which was not boring. It was boring. <laughs> meaning bore a tunnel inside of us. So yeah, like you said, Kelsey, like, uh, you know, this has made headlines for a couple of years now. Elon Musk has a company that digs, digs tunnels and literally they dug a tunnel under the convention center. And the goal is to, to be able, cause the convention center is really big and it takes a while to walk across it. And so the goal is to have you get into a Tesla on one end and the Tesla will drive you underground in a tunnel to the under other end of the convention center. And then the ultimate goal is to have tunnels going to the airport or going down to the strip. And the Tesla cars would drive you around in these tunnels to where you want to go. So that's that's the goal, which is really interesting. Uh, but to actually see it in person, uh, it is it is not there yet. <laughs> so there, there is a big tunnel underneath the convention center. You can ride in a Tesla underneath it to go from one end to the other. But when you go down, so you go down this escalator and there's this like big parking area under there. There's a bunch of Teslas there, but it's very manual. Uh, so there's like a bunch of workers down there who ask you where you want to go, tell you which car to get into. You get in the car and then there's somebody who's just driving it back and forth under these tunnels underneath the convention center. So there's probably, you know, 20 or 30 people running this system uh, just so that I could ride in a Tesla from one end of the convention center to the other in a tunnel. So I'm not sure it's like, you know, and how long did it take I mean, it took like 10 minutes, you know, I I probably could have walked it in the same amount of time, honestly. And so (laughs) I didn't have to walk, which was nice, but I had to get in and out of a Tesla and ride up and down an escalator and like, Mm -hmm. you know. It was neat, but it wasn't 
it didn't <laughs> it didn't make a lot of sense to me especially financially because I did not pay anything to do it it's sort of you know right. in Vegas you see there's all this crazy stuff and that like is one more weird crazy thing like next to the M&M museum and the you know the needle with the restaurant that spins around on top like it's it's just weird and interesting and you don't see it anywhere else and I can't imagine that is going <laughs> to is going to take off in a big way but oh. It was cool to see, I guess. Vegas is a place yeah. for novelty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I think exactly. they've had a lot of trouble um, in other areas where they've, you know, promised to do it for, um, you know, $50 million or whatever, like a lot cheaper than um, uh, other companies could potentially do it for. And then once they start going through all the, um, you know, regulations for the different municipalities, find, oh, this is a little harder than we thought. And like yeah i could have told you that but i mean none of that kind of thing moves quickly you know it's it's pretty interesting and and maybe if you know there's a ton of people there and maybe if it goes to the airport and maybe if they have autonomous teslas that can drive back and forth without a driver like i can kind of see that it would be something that might be interesting but uh yeah as it is now it's, it's really a novelty yeah it doesn't sound like it necessarily like saved you a lot of time or effort no. really. And I was kind of surprised though. I haven't been on their website in a while, so they may have updated it since then. But when I wrote on it in September, I really couldn't find much information online about like how things worked, where to go, like what the cost was. I mean, you said right now it's free. I think they're going to charge eventually like a couple bucks, but probably. And, and the only reason I wrote it was because I walked past the entranceway and wondered, what is this? <laughs> and I had an extra yeah. <laughs> chance to tell, like, maybe I'll go down and see what this is. And so, <laughs> yeah, it was a sort of an unplanned adventure. Yeah, I and I kind of felt like it would be more useful for me if there was a way to get on it, like in the middle of the convention center, because I'm not when I'm there, I'm not usually at like all the way at one end or the other, like you're kind of in the middle. So you definitely have to be like, all the way at one end of the convention center to get on it. Yeah, or really, I could have used it to go to the airport or the win. That would have been handy. But as it is, is Yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't doesn't make quite enough sense yet for it to actually be useful. Well, next time I think just hop a ride on one of those robotic dogs, take it over. (laughs) 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 Wow. I want to go to see us with you, Kelsey. That sounds awesome. I have some great ideas of how we can make this more efficient and, um, you know, keep the robot dogs on our side. (laughs) Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for the update on CES. Uh, it, was, it was great to hear from you both. Thanks, Kelsey. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Kelsey. See you, Mike. Thank you so much, Mike and Jeff, for taking the time to talk today. And thank you to our wonderful producer, Pierre Landrio, for making this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Light Reading Podcast for more interviews and insights from the team. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>